Welcome back to another Yak Podcast. We're continuing our series on things of this earth. We've talked a lot about gifts the past few weeks. What are good things that God has given us and how do we go about enjoying them? We've discussed how we handle gifts while concerning ourselves with the things of heaven while dealing with the things of earth. So here is a question that is bound to pop up. What about wealth? Seriously, how many gifts are too many gifts? Does the enjoyment of gifts go against the Bible's voluntary call to give up all that we have for the sake of the kingdom? So that was your first fill in the blank. What about wealth? Second fill in the blank is this. What about self-denial? What about self-denial? Are we supposed to enjoy our gifts without limitation? Denying ourselves good things is called upon in Scripture. So how should we move forward? Today I hope to show you that calling people to enjoy all that God freely gives can actually advance the mission of God among the nations and strengthen big-hearted, sacrificial, and open-handed generosity. This is the the next fill in the blank, and it's your biggest one of the evening, and this is this. Missions work, that is work where the proclamation of the gospel is central, has always gone hand-in-hand with culture building, with the giving and receiving of gifts. It has always gone hand in hand with culture building, with the giving and receiving of gifts. Remember how we talked about last week the distinction between creation and culture? How creation, gifts of creation, creation are things that God has created the mountain, the stars, the relationships, um, the good food that we eat. Uh, culture comes in um, it, when it's us mimicking the creator and creating things. That's we create culture. Um, God gave us steak. Culture gave us seasoning and practices and sticks of butter to throw on the steak to make it be able to cut with a spoon. Um, culture gave us, uh, you know, movies to watch and books to read. Um, so again, hand in hand with culture building. So as we expand culture, wells are culture. Uh, good things like that, clean drinking water, medicine is culture. So mission teams around the world go to places without access to clean water. Build wells, culture building, and tell people about Jesus. Christians were at the forefront of education as they built schools in areas that were illiterate. Again, missions and culture building, hand in hand. Most hospitals, even in our own city, have the names of church denominations that originally founded those hospitals. Again, missions work with culture building. Mercy ships, free clinics, and other medical teams serve globally, bringing culture and Christ with them wherever they go. It is very apparent that culture building and kingdom building go hand in hand. So understand that they are not at odds. God's gifts through culture, clean water, medical advancements, movies depicting biblical themes, worship songs, and schools all work to bring the gospel to people and make it tangible. But we aren't in the third world. No one brought you the gospel by building you a well. You were born into affluence. So how do we use the gifts we are given in abundance and take for granted? Let's look at the biblical self-denial first 
and figure out what is biblical self-denial. So we're going to talk about biblical self-denial. This is your next fill-in-the-blank. Joe Rigney defines it as biblical self-denial is always the giving up of the lesser, legitimate joy for the sake of the greater one. Biblical self-denial is always the giving up of the lesser, legitimate joy. It's not a sin for the sake of the greater one. It's fasting so you can enjoy time with the Father and more greatly appreciate your next meal. It's choosing not to enter into a relationship at a certain point of your life so you can best give all your time to the cause of the kingdom. It's not buying that new video game, but instead donating the money and time to build a shed for a tornado victim. It's turning down something that is good and enjoyable for the sake of the greater joy, both of which can be found on this world and the next. Second, biblical self-denial embraces what C.S. Lewis calls the two-edged character of Christianity. The paradoxical idea that Christianity is very world-affirming and very world-denying. This is what C.S. Lewis says. It's world-affirming, Lewis says, because its adherents have always devoted themselves to affairs of the world, healing the sick, caring for the poor, celebrating marriage, producing works of art, literature, and philosophy. It's world-denying because its central image is an instrument of torture and death, because it calls for fasting as much as feasting, and because it calls its practitioners to lay up treasures in heaven and not on the earth. You see that dual balance. It's world-affirming and world-denying. Third, biblical self-denial is one of the central ways that we establish the supremacy of God in our lives. Again, I'll use fasting as an example, both because it's so simple and because it's discussed multiple times in Scripture. Because fasting literally pains us. Literally. If it's not paining you, you're not fasting. Or you might need to fast longer. Um. For the purpose of reminding us who is supreme. So it pains us for the purpose of reminding us who is supreme. Self-denial of many good things can serve the exact same purpose. Does that make sense? So self-denial reminds us what's preeminent. Fourth, when we leave good things for the sake of Christ, God gives us back good things with interest. Look at Mark 10, 29 and 30. After meeting with a rich young ruler who turns down Christ for the sake of his riches, Jesus says this to his two disciples in response to one of their statements. Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come they'll receive eternal life Matthew 10 29 through 30 you give up something good for the sake of someone or for a relationship with God and the fact is you will be rewarded for it scripture says it even in the midst of persecution am I saying am I saying Give up $100 for the Lord and he will grant you 1000 Only if the first check is made out to me. That's A. J. Swanson. Just kidding. No, I'm saying that he will grant you greater gifts, whether that's emotional or literal, or something else that Christ comes up with that you couldn't figure out. Lastly, biblical self-denial is glad-hearted. 
Have you ever met someone who has given up their time and resources for the sake of the gospel over time that doesn't have a heart full of joy and peace? Not only does it produce a glad heart because you recall what is preeminent, but that spreads that joy of understanding and enjoyment of the preeminent, namely Christ, to others. Think about it. Have you literally met anybody who's given up their lives on the mission field or given up tons of their resources for the kingdom? Or given up their time and volunteering, or given up, you know, X, Y, and Z. Who's like, I hate life. I can't believe I did this. How miserable was I? <sighs> no, you don't. You don't find those because they realize what is greater. Okay. Um, well, what about wealth? What about wealth? The question becomes whether stressing the enjoyment of gifts will sever the root of radical generosity. So have I been saying the last couple of weeks, enjoy the gifts. Enjoy the gifts God's given you in creation and culture. Enjoy these gifts. Enjoy these gifts. Enjoy these gifts. Keep the gifts for yourself. Always. Does that mean that enjoying the gifts will sever the root of radical generosity? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm asking. Does the command to enjoy gifts go against the command to store up for yourself treasures in heaven? Before I get into this, I want to stress something. Anytime you speak about money and then put it out in a book form or on the internet or in a talk, there are going to be people who balk up against what I've said. That's fine. I want to make sure you know that I am not here to give a whole series on wealth, which I would do for adults. Fact is, most of you don't have $20 in a stable bank account. So the focus of my discussion on wealth is whether it is good and how to make it uh, and how not to make it an idol. We are going to address three facets of wealth. So three facets of wealth. Okay? Again, this is more wealth broadly because most of you are Poe. You can't afford the O and the R. Okay? You're just Poe. Okay? First one is wealth, and this is your next fill in the blank. Wealth is more than money. Wealth is more than money. While money is a measurement of wealth, it is not an exhaustive one. If I have a thousand Grover Clevelands, aka thousand dollar bills in my pocket, then in Dallas I'm doing pretty well. Actually, I'm doing better than you think because they're collector's items and they're worth a lot more than a thousand dollars each now. Ha ha! <laughs> Grover Cleveland got gypped out of sight. You got the bum end of the deal. No one talks about the 24th president of the United States anymore. But if I'm on an island with a thousand Grover Clevelands in my back pocket with the cast of Gilligan's Island, my net worth is pretty poor. Money can't buy me off an island with a boat that's broke. Wealth includes things like your iPod, your computer, Pretty much anything you can buy for money or a service you receive with money, i.e. air conditioning and a waiter with your meal. Joe Rigney says, in short, wealth has to do with resources, broadly speaking, and a narrow fixation on dollars and cents can obscure and distort more than it can help illuminate. Most of you, even though you don't got $20 in a savings account, are pretty wealthy. When it comes to the resources at your disposal. Two, so next fill in the blank. Wealth is good. Wealth is good. You can put more than two O's in it if you want. 
Okay. Good. Deuteronomy 8.18. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may confirm His covenant that He swore to your fathers, as it, as it is this day. Psalm 112, 1 and 3, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandment. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Proverbs 14, 24, the crown of the wise is there. Wait for it. Wealth. 1 Timothy 6, 17, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So having wealth, iPods, a way to bring you a meal, air conditioning, computers, a car that can actually get you places, is a good thing. It's a blessing. We are not spreading a curse to a poor village in Africa when we dig a well so they can have portable water. And to that point, do you see how when we talk about spreading culture being simultaneous with spreading the gospel regularly, then in the process, we're spreading wealth. In the process of spreading the gospel and culture, we're technically spreading wealth. Wealth is dangerous. It's the last one. Point three. Wealth is dangerous. 1 Timothy 6, 6-10 But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and, believe it or not, this is true, we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Matthew 6.24 No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. As good as wealth is, it can keep us from entering the kingdom of God. And Paul tells us that if you see an evil walking around in the world, there is a good bet that the love of money is lurking somewhere underneath it. If you see an evil in the world, there's a good bet that the love of money is lurking somewhere underneath it. You can think of any evil. So how do we combat the dangerousness of wealth? I think there are two ways, and then the next fill in the blanks. I'm going to give them to you in quick succession. So again, how do we combat the dangerousness of wealth? I think there are two ways. One, gratitude of God's provision. Gratitude of God's provision. And two, generosity with God's provision. So gratitude of God's provision and generosity with God's provision. I know I'm being a really poor like Presbyterian by not giving you another G and a third point, but we're going to leave it. I couldn't think of one if I'm being Dutch. Got nothing. Huh? Gratitude with God's provision means reminding ourselves where the blessing comes from. It all comes from God. Your ability to think and reason the way you do, your drive, your breath, all a gift. You should remember this regularly and be grateful for it. For as Job says, the Lord gives and the Lord 
takes away. We need to guard our hearts into believing that we deserve such gift of a wealth. We need to guard our hearts from that. Because in this culture, it's so easy to be like, I deserve that. You deserve nothing. That it is our right as hardworking individuals to get something. It is no one's right. It is what you have earned, or maybe haven't, but what God has given you. The question becomes, how are you going to use it? Joe Rigney continues and reminds us, Having gratefully received provision for our needs from God's hand, we are called to use what we've been given to bless others, to meet their physical needs, their emotional needs, and most importantly, their spiritual need for the gospel. Dr. Luke reminds us in the book that bears his name in chapters 12, 33, and 34, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where is your heart when it comes to self-denial and wealth? And that is the question we will discuss in transformation groups. Okay? Thanks for listening to another Yak podcast. If you want more information on Yak, you can visit us at cccfrisco.org. Hope you join us again next week. Thanks for listening.